Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you know anyone who says they have faith and pray, yet they live like they don't have much faith or pray? Sometimes that can be very large groups or even a country that claims faith. Eventually, that type of living may catch up with us, which is what we see in Daniel chapter 9. While God's people were exiled in Babylon, no doubt they complained about the pagan religion of the Babylonians. However, they had drifted from God, and that drove the prophet Daniel to the Word of God in prayer. Daniel's approach to prayer is quite interesting, so let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, A New Way to Pray. Can I admit something to you? Most of you are like, yes, yes, we wanted some juicy info on you, Pastor Jim. We got it. That's what we like there. I'm, I got to tell you something I'm a bit skeptical about. I'm a bit skeptical about people who say they pray a lot and they happen to be self-centered. That, that makes me very, very skeptical. Not, not to mention people who say that they pray a lot and they seem oblivious to the pain and heartache of others in the world. You say, well, why are you, why are you saying this to us, Pastor Jim? Well, the reason is that many followers of Jesus feel that right now our nation is off track. A couple people were declaring who feel that way, some, some victories on Tuesday, but that would just only indicate that how far you really, you know, we have to, we have to go in certain areas. But when we talk about our nation being off track, people rarely connect it God's people, rarely connected to the sin of God's people, to what is often called in the Bible, God's rebellious people. Now, many leader, many people want to hold our leaders accountable to the Constitution of the United States, and if these leaders go against it, people will work hard to vote them out. I agree. I will help you vote them out. I, I think that's what they're supposed to do. Yet, God himself holds his people accountable to his word. And if they ignore it, he's not going to vote you out of the kingdom. But don't be surprised if you end up in exile. Don't be surprised if you end up in a place that, that maybe you didn't really intend to end up. That's what happened to Daniel. Daniel was but a teenager, and he was exiled, but it wasn't because of his own sin. It was the sin of the people of God in, the area, in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And as a teenager, Daniel ends up basically his whole life as a prisoner of war down in Babylon. Now, it's interesting, so far in Daniel's book, that the captives have been pictured as faithful. I mean, you look at chapters one through six, those guys were faithful, and then you have some prophecy that comes in seven and eight, and you, and you come to nine, and, and things all of a sudden kind of change. It goes from the, the believers that are down in Babylon as looking as faithful, and the, and the pagan Babylonians as very sinful, but, but things all of a sudden change. I mean, just think of it for a second. You're, you're, you're a prisoner down in Babylon. Just, you're at a party, and you know maybe you've you or one of your friends has had a little too much wine and uh, people loudly complaining about the Babylonians. Ah, these Babylonians can't stand these people, their culture, 
their government, the king. Oh, we need a new king. This guy, this guy is absolutely horrible. But then when we come to chapter nine, it's like everything completely changes. No longer is, is the faithful people of God and the sinful Babylonians. All of a sudden, everything changes and we hear the humble and powerful prayer of this Daniel, this man of God. And now in Daniel's prayer, we see that the people of God have sinned against God. And the reason that they are in Babylon is they are suffering the consequences for well over a hundred of years, not heeding the warnings of the prophets. And Babylon was just used by God to bring in the consequences. And so Daniel this morning is going to pray and we're going to join him in his prayer. And the title of the message is A New Way to Pray. A New Way to Pray. Now you might say, what do you mean a new way? I mean new to many of us, as this is probably not the way most of us pray, but he's got a lot to teach us. So three things we want to look at. Don't worry, as number one goes on and on and on. Number one is far longer than the other two. So some of you are like, oh, thank God for telling us that on the front end, Pastor Jim. So number one, Daniel's prayer was enlightened by God's word. Enlightened by God's word. You could say informed. The way he prayed was informed by God's word. And that should be how we pray. Look at chapter nine, verse one. In the first year of Darius, or Darius, the son of Azuaris, I can barely say that guy's name, in the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over all the, of the realm of the Chaldeans, some of your versions say the Babylonians, in the first year of his reign, that tells us that we're near the end of the captivity, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he, the Lord, would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So that means there'll be 70 years from the destruction of Jerusalem to the time of the people returning from Babylon back to the land. Unfortunately, not that many of them went. So what's going on right now in the first three verses? Daniel's reading his Bible. Daniel's reading the Bible. He's actually praying the Bible because he's being informed by his Bible. So let's guess at a couple of the texts that might have hit home that might have stirred his soul, that might have uh, driven his prayer, that, that informed his prayer. Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment to these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Just lock that in your mind, 70 years. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, again, some of your versions say Babylonians, for their iniquity, for their guilt, says the Lord, and I will make, a perpetual, make it a perpetual desolation. Now we go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, meaning Jerusalem. Well, then we could go to Jeremiah 29, 11, but since it's on your refrigerator and your happy calendars, we're not gonna do that today. 
We're just going to stay where we are, try to stay in the 70-year zone. So as Daniel's sitting there, he's reading his Bible, it powerfully hits him. Do you ever have that moment where you're reading your Bible and you're like, I call it the shift. My body kind of goes like, ooh. And, and I'm just like, ooh. And it, it hits him what God is saying. And you can just picture him doing the math on his fingers. He's like, okay, now wait a minute. I was taken prisoner in 605 BC. And we know that when the Medes came in, it was around 538 BC. 70 years is almost up. Wow. It's time for, it's time for, for God to follow through on his promise. So it's time for the people of God, Daniel's probably not going to be one of them, but it's probably, it's time for the people of God to get ready to go home. Now we think when we have to go somewhere, we have to move, we got to pack up all our stuff. That's the first thing we have to say. We have to pack up all our stuff. That's really not where Daniel's head's at. Daniel is not, it's about packing up their stuff. It's about getting their hearts ready and their hearts right with God once again. In other words, the sin that sent them to Babylon, the mixing of paganism with Yahwehism, syncretism, the sin that sent them to Babylon needs to change in, into a life that pleases God or else what will happen? God will discipline them again. He'll do whatever he has to do to get our attention. Now, now some of you might be saying, what's this got to do with us, Pastor Jim? Loved ones, what we're about to read today is why we need a new way to pray. Daniel wants us to see how the people of God were to live and pray both then and now, and there's a lot here. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, there's an important concept we have to grasp in his prayer. First off, I just want to ask, say to you, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're thrilled that you're here. If you're here, watching another part of the building, watching online, driving in your car, listening months down the road and, you know, uh, on the radio or something like that. Somebody hands you a CD or whatever. I didn't know what a CD is. Don't worry, nobody will hand you a tape anymore. Uh, but you're, you're just, well, thank you for listening. And please keep listening. But if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things that we say is we're a family, Correct. We call ourselves, we're the family of God, which means that we are supposed to be closely, as the Apostle Paul put it in Colossians 2.2, we are to be knit together in love. Another version says that we are to be joined together in love. Another one says we are to be united together in love. But most Bible scholars actually say that a congregation needs to be instructed together in love. And very interesting, right after that, God says, and you will gain understanding. So sometimes maybe you read the Bible, you go, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Maybe God wants you to be more knit together in love with those around you. Daniel's an old man, and he sees it. He sees why they are in Babylon. He would say to, uh, he would say to us, we sent ourselves here. God warned us. 
We didn't do what he said. We sent ourselves here. We have no one to blame but ourselves. I think all this means that we can't disconnect personal faith from corporate faith. Daniel was a good guy, but because of what all the people had done, he was got, kind of got caught in the wave of everything, and he ended up down in Babylon. And if we are not engaged with one another corporately, there's a good chance we're going to end up as mature Christians because part of our life is we're supposed to live it out with each other. You'll end up in a bad place. Let me put it another way. Our maturity as followers of Jesus is intimately connected to the maturity of one another. It's an important thing to remember that we are to help one another to become mature in our faith. (laughs) The reason I want us to understand that is because right now, that is a major disconnect in the American church. We can say that we're a family and it's a lot of lip service. People come and they go, they come and they go, they come and they go. We are so focused on our individual and personal faith and our own personal walk with Jesus. Now, what I'm about to say might tick some of you off. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. In fact, I'm emboldened with it because so many people, the first service was completely full just about, and, 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 <laughs> and everyone's like, that, that was great, man. What, you didn't tick me off. Thanks for your honesty. A couple of young people are like, that, man, that was honest, man. That was, so I'm going to be honest now. If you say you're a follower of Jesus and you don't see how politics, how COVID, how culture is splitting God's church, people are dividing on these issues. If you don't see that, you are blind as a bat. Blind as a bat. It's happening all over the United States of America, all over the place. Brothers and sisters not talking to each other over silly, silly things. Can we disagree? Of course we can disagree. We're going to disagree about a lot of things. Remember we said, when we painted this room, we asked 100 people their opinions, and we got 300 opinions It's just the way it is. It's okay, we could disagree. But we don't separate fellowship because of that. If you don't, man, if you don't see how incredibly lonely some people are right now. So many people are so lonely and they're like, I can't pull the plug on picking up the phone and I don't know what it is. I can't do it. If you don't see how high the anxiety level is among some people, and they're like, I I can't really explain why. I can't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. If you can't see the emptiness that so many people are experiencing in their life right now, and the pain and the sorrow. And the bad 
bad decisions that so many people are making right now that is, that is leading them to fall away from Jesus, then I got to just say, you're missing a lot. And you might be like, but, but no, no, Pastor Jim, I tell you, I'm telling you the truth. I read my Bible and pray and I don't see any of this. Well, let's quote one of our old friends. Haggai chapter one, verse seven. Consider your ways. Maybe you need to, to change some things a bit. Maybe you need to sit down to your Bible and, and, and pray and say, God, would you please open up my eyes to the, to the world so I really see what's going on? In verse three, the word of God drives Daniel to reality and prayer. He says, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Those are signs of, of, of mourning and repentance for sin. You know, it's very common when things are going wrong in people's lives, something's going wrong in your life to have some people go, well, you have to trust in God's sovereignty. That's like Romans 8.28. You know, you know, God works all things together for good. You ever notice that sounds a lot better coming out of your mouth than it does going into your ears? Sometimes when people tell you to depend on God's sovereignty, you know, you're just like, oh, come on. Daniel would tell us, listen, I agree. If you, told Daniel, if you saw Daniel in sackcloth and ashes and you and, and, and said, what are you doing, man? He would say, I agree. That's why I'm praying. That's why I pray in the midst of such darkness. Daniel is praying for what God has promised in his word, but as we will see, without ignoring how we hinder the experience of it. Daniel's not just praying for Daniel. Daniel's praying for all the people of God. If Daniel were here today, Daniel would say, listen, if we're going to pray, man, let's pray for the, for the local, national, and worldwide church. Let's pray for God's people, man. You see, you know the party we said about before where everybody's complaining about the Babylonians? Daniel would be the guy at the Babylonian party who'd be listening to all the complaining of everybody else and somebody would say, oh, there's a prophet here. What say you, prophet? And Daniel might say something like this. You know, all this trouble that we are experiencing, everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we should take a look in the mirror. Maybe we should think that we're part of the problem. Friends, did you ever think for a second that when we look at, at, at the church in America, that maybe right now this is our Babylon? Maybe we're in a, we're in a similar place. I know some elections went the way a lot of people went this past week. You don't think the other, the other team, if you're on the other team, if you're not for the other team, you don't think there's a plan, Right? Stuff you don't want taught in schools. You don't think they're going to sneak that in? Come on now. You're not that naive, are you? Please. Some people might say, Daniel, why, you, you, you were quoting us from Jeremiah. Why, why did you skip 
Jeremiah 29, 11. It's on my refrigerator. That God was going to give us a future and a hope. I think Daniel might reply and say, listen, God is not going to look the other way forever. And we, it seems we didn't learn that lesson. We've been here for 70 years. See, what Daniel's prayer is probably more akin to what I would call John the Baptist preaching. I mean, there's, there's like nobody watching him on YouTube. It's like two views. John viewed himself and his mom did. <laughs> like, like nobody else wants to, even his father was like, oy vey, no, not that kid. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't want any part of that. Now, some of you say, well, Daniel and you, Pastor Jim, obviously need the New Testament. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very good thing, the Apostle Paul writes, that he who has begun a good work in you, stop right there in that word, you, bank it for a second, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who's you? Who's you? Now, I have no doubt, I have no doubt in the individual application of that. But that you in that verse is the Philippian church. Go back to the beginning of the letter, read it through. You want to go study it? You can study that it's plural, but you read from it. He's talking to a church. He's saying, I know God is doing a good work in you, and he is going to complete it. Now, I realize we're still on point one, and we got a long way to go on point one, uh, because God's word not only took Daniel to the promises of God, but also to what we call corporate confession. So what he's about to do is corporate confession. This is one of those times when you have to read it, you gotta hear it, but you have to feel the pain. Feel the pain of a man 70 years in captivity and realizing God's people are going to be set free and they are not ready. They are not ready. They're going back because God said 70 years. And you've got to feel it. This is what, sometimes we just read our Bible. We go, I read our Bible. We got to let our Bibles read us, but sometimes we got to feel it and we got to feel the pain of the Bible writer. So let's listen to a prophet pray. Verse four, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Verse five, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Verse six, Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, and all the people of the land. Verse 7, O Lord, 
Righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face. As it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which which they have committed against you. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belong shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, to which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your laws and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.